Lots of people today are cutting their hair and beards at home because they can't go to the barbershop with COVID going on. Got a solution for you. Clipping Sheets. That's right, ClippingSheets.com. And if you go to them right now, they're giving away a free box of Clipping Sheets for absolutely free to the first 25 email subscribers using our promo code GOBEYOND. And this is only for the month of September. The cost of shipping is on them. The cost of the product is on them. That means it's absolutely free to you. It'll get mailed out to you when you subscribe with your email address on their website. That's ClippingSheets.com. Prevent bathroom sink messes while you're clipping your hair and beard at home. So go check them out for free at ClippingSheets.com. You want to vibe out? Just a little bit. Yo, what's good? You are on the World According to Low with Crystal and Low, and it's your boy Low, man. And we are so excited to have you back with us again. And man, it is Friday. We are taping this. And uh, if you are a part of the Patreon Nation, you will get to see this early. But uh, if you are not, you will probably get this on Tuesday morning. So, yo, Crystal, say what up to the people, man. Let's get into this thing. What's up, guys? Like Lo said, it's a Friday for us, so we're heading into a beautiful weather weekend, and I'm looking forward to that. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's talk. It's a conversation that we've been really wanting to have and that we've already been talking about. So we are talking about ownership. Ownership. Now, some of you, before you click off and say, oh, man, I thought they was going to, man, just hear us out. Ownership. (laughs) Ownership is something that is very... Um, rarely embraced within the creative space, uh, within just uh, creative culture in general. And I'm loving the dialogue. If you ever follow anything that I say on a regular basis, then you will know that I am always preaching to um, own your content, like document, Mm -hmm. always be filming, always be shooting, always be telling your story. And in that, I've found that people are starting to realize the value of that. Um, In Lou, uh, I guess primarily speaking to it right now, are two individuals I like for us to discuss their situations. One being Kanye West, who just became a billionaire. Shout out to Kanye. Um, Matter of fact, we're going to give Mr. West a a little love right here. Um, But Mr. West has become uh, officially... Uh, a billionaire, and he said Forbes did not want to give him his credit. Didn't want to recognize him. Yeah, man, and that's crazy in itself because we forget that even though these are standards by culture, uh, they're still a business, and they still have feelings and emotions, uh, and they're not God. <laughs> nope. They're fallible. So, you know, when people don't like something you're doing, they will tend not to give you that shine. Uh, but ownership, man, what do you what do you think when you hear the word ownership, Chris? I just think of in general, like how everything's set up in America. I um I always think back to just like how we are conditioned because, you know, having a child and your father as well, we we are literally getting to see how our kids are kind of 
put into certain pipelines and put into certain systems based upon where they live, where they go to school, what activities they do. And in education in general, um, I don't know if you've read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. but, you know, he talks about how they don't teach us about, you know, the game of money and, you know, yeah. economics in a way that we can apply it. We're really pushed through that pipeline of school to come out, you know, as factory workers, as it was first set up, we can take directions, we yeah. can get somewhere on time, we can be reliable, and we have the basic needs to work for someone so I just think about how when you're growing up, a lot of us don't have necessarily those tools. And so I, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like that thing of ownership. I, I don't, I didn't even realize how important it yeah. is. I, I didn't even realize that growing up, I was like most people where it's like, you know, you get a good job and then you just work that job and then, you know, so on and so forth. And so I just think it's like a really important lesson that I think should be taught from a young age. And then I just question because yeah. I can I can go down my little hole of conspiracies of like why aren't they teaching us about yeah. this? Why aren't they telling us the importance of having ownership and having stock in something and not just working for someone all the time? Um, whatever that is, because it can be applied to different things. Yeah. Now I I, I love the way you say that because. Um, Often when you ask kids to play the game of Monopoly, the number one uh, phrase that normally pairs with that is that game takes too long. It takes too long to win. And that is the truth about a lot of times owning things. There's mm-hmm. a process uh, that comes into play for us to own the things that we're trying to get that controls the way we live. You yeah. know, for you to own Park Place, you got to cough up some bread. You can't just go uh, even when you land on the opportunity to own Park Place. You got to have a certain amount of capital. It don't matter if you land there or not or if you choose to invest in one piece of it yeah. It normally either you know, bankrupts you to the point that if you get in the bond, you're praying that you don't land on somebody's railroad or somebody's else's situation that you have to pay them. Right. And I think that attributes to the conversation of what we're saying today, where, you know, we're in this situation and somebody else owns the board, but we're just happy to land in those neighborhoods, but not understanding that, Every time we land there with our wealth or our value, they getting a piece of it just from you being there. Um, I read something this morning. We were doing some more research for the podcast and I came across some information about uh, a guy on YouTube named Marquise. And he's a tech guy. And Marquise is probably, if not one of the most successful YouTubers, uh, he's just a, like guy just works his butt off uh he actually was doing a video and he didn't realize he had his analytics up about what he gets paid per video (laughs) now on his i think per video view like somebody watching a video he gets like 18 cents per video Mm -hmm. but when you add up all of his views because he averages at least three to five million views per video when you add up like what he made over a year just on views it was like 1.5 something million dollars Mm -hmm. a youtuber yeah right now he is the 
the standard. Like if you could hit the ceiling, he would be one of those numbers, one of those guys that you could attribute like where to gauge the rest of, you know, uh, people creating content on that platform. Now, what they show was he actually brought home a little over a mil. YouTube mm-hmm. collected right. from his views $845,000. Now, he's making the videos. He's editing. He's paying people to shoot, be on set, all these plane tickets to go do these videos, all of these things within his business. YouTube builds the platform. They take $845,000 of of money yeah. just from owning it. Now, you yeah. do that over all of the people that are just the top five. If you take the top five of those, if they're getting those kind of numbers off of those levels of views, on top of them already charging people to advertise on these videos. Mm-hmm. The double whammy, right? Like, how are we okay with that? Like, Yeah, I mean, but we've been conditioned in that way. I think we've always been conditioned to just be happy with what we get and not yeah. really question beyond, right? Because someone on surface level is just going to see that and say, man, this guy's killing it and he's yeah. successful, which... You know, once you get to a certain echelon of um, YouTube, you're going to be, you know, the algorithm is going to be working in your favor. So you'll you'll more easily gain than someone who, you know, is really struggling to get to those points. But I just I see this and it just for me, it just keeps bringing me back to this space of why weren't we taught this as kids? Because we're just so excited. And, And as as someone who is freelance, I do a lot of like contract work for different projects, whether that is design or website or whatever it is that I'm doing. And sometimes I will find myself asking the same question, like, yes, I'm getting paid this little bit, but it's like, I am building someone's business. I am <laughs> literally putting in yeah. the foundation for something they're going to eat off of for forever. And I'm getting this immediate money for it. But sometimes I have to step back and be like, man, why don't I have this myself? And I think it's that same thing. But I'm curious for you, like, we talk about ownership. Yes. Do you feel that everyone, it's for everyone? Do you think everyone can be in that? Because that's a that's a big conversation that I'm hearing right now as well. Here, like everyone's not made to be an owner. Well, here's the thing. I, I feel like this, right? Everything that develops wealth is tied to ownership. Yeah. Now, I think the problem is what you're stating. We are ignorant in understanding how to own the things that we have. If you look at overtime history, um, I know people even within my family history had land that either had resources on them, gold, oil, uh, copper or whatever, whatever resource you want to call it. Timber. They come to you and they say, hey, um, we want to give you sixty, sixty five thousand dollars or we want to give you four hundred thousand dollars for this resource on your land. You don't have to do anything. We're just going to cut you a check. And what we're going to do is come in and clear off all the timber 
or we'll come in and take up um, this oil pocket that's underneath your land that we can only get to if we have access to your property. And because of that, we look at the immediate money and Mm -hmm. we give them access, not knowing that the value of what they're extracting is four times worth they what they paid you, right? So instead of saying, hey, take the money, if you were to have proper education, you would say, hey, what I'll do is give you a lease to come through. You can extract the land, you know, the resource. But I also get a percentage of everything you sell. So that 600000 now becomes... Two point something million dollars. And when you start talking those kind of numbers or those type of deals, they're going to say, oh, no, we can't do that because nobody wants smart people in business. Understand that if I give you percentage on the gross of whatever we're doing, you now have a stake in what we're doing globally. And a lot of times we're so. We're so anxious to get a quick payday that we don't realize because if, you know, if you actually look at um, NBA players, let's say LeBron, let's say LeBron came to the the Cavaliers and said, instead of y'all paying me millions of dollars for a contract, what I prefer is 5% stake in ownership. Oh no, we <laughs> no, no man, no. I want now. If, now think about it. If you get five percent of this concession, the concession, t- the the merchandise sales, mm-hmm. ticket sales, the the property value, right? They're gonna be like, oh no, because even if you get hurt, that still pays you. But athletes, like nobody thinks about the fact that these guys are able to pay these guys this kind of money. And still be in business. Why is yeah. that? Because we're doing franchising. And I call it the the George Lucas deal, right? George Lucas didn't want a payday for directing Star Wars. He knew it was going to be a, I got something, right? Yeah. And the content, he was able to finagle the merchandising. Because he realized, like, man, we're going to sell a ton of stuff. What he got in return allowed him to launch... A business that still will pay his generations to come. And he's still making money off the merchandising, right? Man. You can pass that down because you own that stake. And this is what I'm saying. Interesting thing that you bring up about the athletes, because it makes me think about what we're being shown in messaging as far as an everyday individual. You see someone like a LeBron James and you just see how successful he is and where he comes from. And there's the story behind it. And it's very relatable. Yeah. And you feel like, you know, he's won. He's made it. He's done it. And so you shoot for that. And rarely do you ever hear about the people in the background, right? You just always see this forefront person that makes you feel like this is a worthy path to take yeah. in any endeavors. And it's so interesting because it's like with any companies, you know, there's always these these talks about like the beauty products and the hair care brands that are for natural hair, right? And you 
and you just you automatically think i mean they got the cocoa butter and yeah. the brown you know coloring and the packages and i see a girl in there that looks like me <laughs> automatically i'm thinking of course this is this is owned yeah. by it's a black owned yeah. business right or it's a you know <laughs> and then you realize wow there's this whole engine behind this thing and that happens so much that i just i don't think that we grow up as kids and you like think I'm going to own this one day or I'm, you know, I don't think that that's the first thought. It's like, I want to be the star NBA player or I want to, no one's like, I want to own the franchise. I want to have stake in that franchise or, you know, I'm going to launch this product and I'm going to be the, or, you know, we don't think about that as like, I guess, worthy pathways. Mm -hmm. And and I don't, again, you know, again, I can, I can go conspiracy theorists on you, but I don't think that that's, um, you know, by accident. I think we're it is not. It's orchestrated. Wealth, <laughs> wealth is something that is hard to obtain and hard to penetrate. So you got to understand, regardless of what, even when people tell you go to medical school, be a doctor, people don't realize doctors take years to get these 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 loans paid off. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you got to you're not factoring in that most doctors can't even afford like malpractice insurance. So you don't get sued. So you don't get, you know, harmed and lose out before you even get it. And then on top of that, you have to be the elite of the elite. You got to be able to network. You got to be in the right markets like medical is no different than any other thing. Everything that generates money is a competition. And he who owns it. Is the one who wins like the reason Bill Gates can sit up and tell us, oh, you know, this pandemic and all these things is because, dude, you you're living in a bubble that nobody else. Very few people live in like you and I can we can what not work for a couple days, maybe. (laughs) And then life changes. Like, seriously, if you stop working for a month, what does life look like? Right. And that's the average American. We are all what, like one car accident or one tragedy away from, you know, completely not. It's And there's such a there's such a percentage, right? Like such a small percentage of people who own all the wealth. And then we're then we're we're not taught these things. And, And I think that's the biggest thing I keep going to in my mind, because. I think there's an understanding of ownership being important, but I, I consider myself a smart person. Yeah. I really do. I figure I really feel like there's a lot I can do. And when it comes to finances and the money game in which it is set up, yeah. I sometimes just feel so overwhelmed and frustrated that like, why can't I get this sometimes? Or what don't I understand? Because it is something to study. It is not all yeah. just... Now, some people, they have natural acumen for business and, and they're, they're able to quickly see things like that. And, and that's why they thrive in those areas. But you don't realize like we're trying to survive. But the way we're being taught to do that does not set us up for, first of all, day to day, just everyday living. People are paycheck to paycheck. You know, yeah. I'm a single mother. I know exactly what that's like. But it also doesn't set us up for anything future like you know, wealth that trickles down to my grandchildren Mm -hmm. or that sets up for, you know, for the longevity. And even in consumerism, we are, we are taught, we are taught my child right now sees ads on YouTube day in and day out. We are taught to consume, to buy. Like when the pandemic struck, we, I forgot how much money they say Americans saved because we weren't able to go out and consume. Fast food was closed. 
Man. Social places were closed. And we it were goes, cooking. And this is what I'm telling you. We have paid off probably more bills during this pandemic. <laughs> and, like, it's to the point now, like, creditors are like, yo, um, we we want to give you an extra $5,000. Uh, <laughs> you mind if we raise your credit limit? Like, da-da-da, we... Like we noticing, like you you paying some stuff. Uh, you looking real attractive right now, like with yeah. the you know what I'm saying. And I look at all of that, and and for those of you listening, you're probably saying, "Well, low, how does this apply to me? How does this make sense to me?" This is what I'm saying, Crystal. You and I, we we live in creative worlds, and sometimes now I'm I'm starting to look at. Maybe instead of getting a major payday, imagine if you own a right to license the things you create for other people. So let's say I come to you with a conference idea and I say, Crystal, I need you to brand this concert, this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great idea. You listening to it and you're like, man, this could be nice. And then instead of you saying, well, normally my fee is five grand but here's what i want i'm gonna charge you 250 like 20 i'm gonna charge you half of that 2500 but what i want in lieu of that is the right to license and use anything i create in its likeness in audio or video or visual as a stakeholder in the in the original content that's being developed so then they say, well, what? You, so you're going to that's all you want. Yeah. Just put it in writing that I can use it however I want. I'm a part owner of this that I can use it how I see fit for any future endeavors. So they say, all right, that's cool. Come to find out you have some pretty nice content that comes across the conference. Mm-hmm. You get another idea to brand it. And say, oh, man, this would be a great TED Talk or this would be a great um, video, um, you know, series. You don't have to ask. You can take all of that thing, repurpose it, remodel it into something, and now you can use it. Mm -hmm. Or if something comes up in history or in the future that now ties back to this moment, you can say, hey, CNN is probably going to want to use some of this stuff. So now when they use it or if a movie wants to use it, you now get a percentage of that. And now you have things that you can shop and say, hey, Caden, these are the things I want to teach you what mommy has. This catalog of work, much like a musician, this catalog of work that if ever comes a time where somebody may want the rights to use this, you can. Right. You can get paid off of this or a logo that may get uh, turned into a a meme or something that becomes a cultural, uh, you know, asset. And now Nike may want to throw it on the shirt or some new developer or new brand wants to mimic it. And you can say, hey, I, I get a percentage of that. Because I'm an owner of it. I didn't just create it for 75 bucks or 250 And now you can go make all this money off of my concept, my resource, 
my development. And now you still have a buy-in to the things that you create. The way I heard someone say recently was creators are like mothers who give away their children. And it hit me because I was like, I've been doing that like forever. And I I come in, we do blood. You you work with me. We come in, we do blood, sweat, and tears. We make sure we get the shots. We make sure the audio is good. We make sure lighting is good. We do all of this development, all this pregnancy, right? And we birthed it. And at the end, all we get is a check. And, oh, thank you for birthing this, carrying this baby for me. You did a great job. And we are surrogate mothers. And then we watch somebody go enjoy the very thing we sweated, hurt, all the things that we did to carry that child. And we watch them enjoy the fruits of our labor. Yeah. Only for them to tell you that you can never approach this child and say, hey, I was the reason you came into this world. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a creative's plight. And many creatives, you know, we just want to paint. We don't want to deal with numbers and contracts and many times that's what hold, holds a lot of like creative freelancers back because they just want to you know they need somebody to manage that they yeah. need to just be given the task and work it but i think that brings up a conversation about value you know it, it's all about value and i and i think for me still learning always still work, learning work in progress sometimes i feel like it, um especially creatives you know we, we, we have a lot of audience members that are creatives we don't recognize how much value the things we do, like what yeah. they're really worth, what it really is. We, we sit in meetings. We may not even sign a contract. We may not even agree to work with someone. We sit in brainstorming meetings. And this is when I really had to get. And we spill out all these ideas that someone can take and run and go, you know, make whatever they make off of it. And yes. we just freely give this kind of stuff up. And so that's applicable to everyone. That may not be direct ownership of something, but it's just getting you to rethink the idea of what 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 I do is valuable and what is that worth. Yeah. And I think many times we think we're being loyal or we're like, you know, we're for the project, so we should do that. But I think that's a big thing is like this legal side of it. We have to understand that in business, we have to protect ourselves. We can't just go out there you know, all naive and excited and just give away everything. Don't sign anything. Just go off the strength of a word that you're going to do something for me. We have to really be mindful about, you know, what we possess and and how valuable that is to someone that's listening or, you know, getting to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Um, So I think that's just such a big thing that I think all people can benefit from, whether you're creative or not, is just recognizing your value, your time is valuable. Time I don't is know valuable. how many times we sit in meetings yeah. that we don't charge for, that we sat two hours in a meeting for. That's, you know, that's your time. That's valuable. And you're consulting most of those times. Yes, you're consulting and giving up, Pretty much. Giving up all the stuff. <laughs> uh, so, so, Crystal, tell me, what do you think we should do about so-and-so and so? Uh, Lo, what do you think we ought to do about the production? And then you're yeah. in there and it's like, okay, first of all, we need to, and this is where I'm at now. We need to lock in that. I have this job, all that I'm trying to compete with other people so y'all can vent my ideas and then take them to somebody who will try to do them cheaper. Um, those days are done with me. Like, I, nah, man. And um, Kanye says something. 
uh, about contracts. He said we need to simplify contracts. Uh, a lot of these guys, they they make these filibuster contracts to hide um, their their other true intentions mm-hmm. um, and create gray areas that they can pretty much screw you with. Uh, so you know, people are like, I don't understand this jargon, right? Because let's say you and I go into a venture and I tell you, or let's make it simple. You say, Lo, I want to start a show. And I and I say, Well, Crystal, normally it is going to cost ten grand for me to shoot a season uh of interviews or whatever for you to shoot them, light them, staff them, you know, edit them, whatever the case. This is what I have to do. You're asking me to provide for you. You say, well, I don't have 10 grand, but I will offer you, like we talked earlier, um, stake into the show. So you can be an executive producer and anything that comes from the deal. If I sell merchandise, you get a 10% of that. If I get a licensing deal, you get, you know, five to 10% of that, maybe 15. Um, And then we settle on that, right? So in our agreement, All you should have is what I said I would do at what price and what charge. Right. And then what you will receive or what you will provide me. So when we have those things clear, we both sign in agreement to what we just stated. You ain't got to get all why we got 400 pages of that. Like. All this other stuff, like, and this is what Kanye said, because what people don't know, I and I was reading them, so it's kind of dirty. Jay-Z pretty much sold Kanye's masters to get his back. Knowing that in the contract, they would never sell Kanye his masters. So this is why everybody, if you notice people who aren't fooling with Kanye right now, are like, dude might be crazy last week, but he's saying some stuff right now. Because what we look at is the results of what marketing and advertising does. But we rarely look at the fine print. Who's getting paid? Who's benefiting from the things we're watching? We don't look at the fine print when we uh, accept these cell phones. Oh, man. And these apps. (laughs) Look, and people talking about, "Ah, I can't believe privacy Why am I getting these emails? Because in that fine print, you're agreeing to use TikTok or you're agreeing to use Facebook as long as you will give them the ability to use your privacy to their people. And they what they tell you is that we won't sell it to anybody outside of the friends we deal with. You know how many friends Facebook got? Like, bro, that's why them clothing ads, you you can't, man, every time you look up, they selling you something you done talked about. Because yeah. what people are getting, for me to be able to advertise, I want to know who's interested in my stuff. So if I say, hey, I want to know who's interested or in need of video production. That little cell phone you're doing is in meetings, that little cell phone, that iPad, whatever else, it's collecting data. And when you put those apps on your phone, and it goes back to what we're talking about, ownership, when you give us ownership 
and you give us access, we now own everything we can collect. Yeah. There's a difference. The desktop version of your your app is very different than the mobile version of your app because you're giving them full 360 access to what they collect. And it's no different than YouTube with every time. While people say, oh, you look at if you search it, they say how to be successful on YouTube. You always got to upload content. You think they don't make that like that for a reason? Like, I need you to constantly be uploading. Because if you're not uploading, that means we have no videos to advertise on. We have no outlets. We have no new ways to understand what information you're looking at and that's what i'm saying at the end of the day what i want to do and this is one of my goals right now if you're an app guy if you're a tech person i want to develop an app that allows people to own their content period you don't you shouldn't need i shouldn't need youtube matter of fact people ask me right now why is the podcast not on youtube I don't want to give them anything that's original from me. I used to be in that mode. Oh, I got to upload YouTube. Man, if they're taking $845,000 from the guy at the top, that means I got to, that mountain's so steep to climb. You know how hard it is to get 5.4 million people to watch? Man, 500,000 people to watch your content. When y'all are setting the parameters When, you know, I look at, I tell you all the time, we are no different than any other talented people in this world. The difference is you either get in a position where somebody wants to bet on you or they don't. If you look at reality TV, all of those stars were just people in their communities. Everybody know a Nini in your hood. Everybody know somebody that's loud mouth and telling everybody business. Everybody know the girl that's that's pretty, but she jumping from dude to dude. We all know these people. Every community got them. That's why everybody relates. But when you put glam on people, when you put cameras on people, and then you stage these little scenarios where y'all get to hang out and you get to hang in these little clubs that ain't nobody really in, that y'all don't rent it, but it looked like y'all having access, like, you can tell that story over and over, but who really owns it? Viacom, all these people. Then you find out Nene Leaks is having financial problems. And people are like, oh, I thought they was on TV. Why are they having problems? And it's because at the end of the day, they not fixing your finances. Yeah. And they putting you in a position where you got to buy bags. You got to do things. They didn't tell you to buy that stuff to stay looking like you balling. No, they renting them cars, all that stuff, man, it's fabricated. And I want our culture and creatives to start understanding that all the work we do. And I think about this all the time, all the endless nights that I'm doing to build a a a resource that's valuable. I want to be able to give my kids something for the stuff that I'm sacrificing, Because if not, then what was it all for? Like, think about it. All them deadlines, all them times you could have been enjoying going, doing something with Caden. Mm -hmm. What was it all for? Is if at the end of your days, we still broke, don't own nothing, and we can't pass nothing down. And he going to think, oh, man, our mom, mommy was always busy and 
we ain't got nothing to show for it. Yeah. I just wonder how we how we penetrate that, like how we turn that around culturally um, in our communities, because, again, it's set up like that on purpose. For whatever reason, we didn't have anything, you know, set up in our schooling systems that says that every kid needs to learn this curriculum and understand these different things. So I I'm just curious, how do we make massive change? I know individually we can research, we can learn more. Yeah, I'm always listening to different um, experts and people who are trying to help, you know, inform us because that's what it all boils, that boils down to. People play off of our ignorance. We don't know. We don't understand. They give us contracts that we don't know what we're signing. They give us deals that we think are great when really on the back end they're making more money than we are it's all ignorance. And so like, how do we combat that? How do we, you know, really inform people in our communities and really build them up so we can have these pockets of wealth. We can establish not just individually, but as community wide, like, you know, changing that around. I'm going to see if we can get John. Um, I don't know if you know, John, John runs the, uh, the credit union um, over in Biloxi, the, uh, I think it's down by division somewhere over there. Uh, I'm not sure. The I can't think of the credit union's name right now, but he's big on that um, financial education and literacy. Uh, us really understanding um, how to have business uh, credit and how to establish it. Like nobody taught me. I didn't know for a while. Well, like my business has credit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. You can be doing like LLC, get your LLC, start developing your business credit. Um, you can take those loans out for your business. And, you know, if the business goes down, like there's ways like, you know, you, you, you know, you can do these and protect yourself and protect your personal lob, you know, property and value. Like nobody's educating us in that. And right. I think this is what, you know, Joe Budden and we didn't really get a chance to talk about Joe's story with Spotify. But Joe's like, man, I've done the work and I've noticed like, OK, if my numbers are here and I'm the I'm above the bar. And y'all paying somebody below me, you know, 15 million dollars, I should be like 200 million. But then people are like, oh, no, Joe, you you should be grateful for what you're getting. I'm doing all the work. I'm the resource. Why would I give two hundred something thousand dollars worth of value for fifteen million? Like, I can yeah. bring. But see, the thing of it is, when you own it, when you talk like that, it disrupts them making money, the system making money. It's easy for them to make money off of creatives. It's easy for them to make money off of. Um, the ideas we have and you got to think at the end of the day, we're still only working for pennies of what we bring in. If not, they wouldn't hire us. Your salary, anybody's salary is the safe spot for them to continue to profit. Now, listen, that means there's more money to be made, but this is all we're willing to give you to keep you producing for keep you giving us the means to go out and collect checks and creatives are the main sense of any business thriving in today's time, which is why I'm so passionate about us really 
pushing this narrative. You got to educate yourself. Um, don't just take our word for it. Read some books, man. Go out, find yeah. out what are things that businesses uh, need to do to be successful long term. Establish your business in a sense where you can protect yourself and your family. At some point, I want to make Beyond Expectations Productions uh, uh, a public where I can give my kids shares of the company. Yeah. No different than you. That's why I tell you, like, yeah, we do this thing together. But I also want to develop you where you're doing your own stuff and owning it. Like everybody should own their content. Everybody. I think that's powerful, though, because, well, one, we like you said, we didn't get into it. There's so many conversations happening around this right now about ownership. Um, and Master P, I feel like, has been per- said it a long time ago yes. and has been, you know, talking about this for forever. But I am also seeing a new trend where a lot of creators are starting to develop their own platforms, develop their own ecosystems. Um, One thing in marketing that we're always taught is, you know, we get so heavily dependent upon the social media networks, but we don't recognize that the minute they go down, they're acquired, they change up, their policies change. You no longer can reach your audience unless you pay. When these things happen, we have, we can't do anything. We literally lose connection from our audience members and that's why people, you know, will push email, you know, make sure you have your, your people's information. Something happens, you can always contact your yeah. customers, your audience. But I think it's powerful that people like you are in a position where you have more knowledge and you don't just, well, I'm going to use this knowledge and I'm just going, you know, get me and do yeah. me. You see an issue and you're trying to develop something that helps other people coming up who are still learning, still trying to understand how this works because, I really do think that direct-to-consumer market was such a positive thing for us. We have the internet now. We have a hyper-connectivity network where we can directly say, hey, you want to buy my song? And they Mm -hmm. can say, yes, I want to buy your song. I no longer have to go through a separate channel. And so because of that, I think we're going to start seeing like a Joe Budden and different people starting to work harder to develop their own platforms, their own ways to connect with their audience members and I'm really interested to see what happens because these platforms need their their content creators. Yeah, these content creators make these platforms what they are. So I, I just give you big props. You've always been such like a big brother to me. You've always been very encouraging, pushing me to not sit back in the seat where yeah. I'm just you know taking whatever I can get. And I, I just think that people like you are going to be like the future of content creation and creatives is really you know, developing your own. Um, so I really appreciate you for that. Hey man, listen, it, it, it it's necessary. I, I wasn't looking I, I'm going to be transparent. I wasn't looking for this. Like it, it just kept being something that I felt compelled to get involved with. And now that I'm seeing these scenarios come up, cause you've been around me, we've been talking about this forever and a day. Um, I realize Content is the new gold rush. If you can constantly create new ideas and concepts, if you can constantly keep putting out levels of conversations and and information that people will sit and digest, man, this is where they're 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 running to because you know, I'm looking at my boy Kev who by chance end up turning in his Toyota Corolla and made a content around his experience because the lady at the enterprise didn't keep his reservation 
and he ends up getting into Maserati. Yeah, I saw that. Finds out that he loves driving this Maserati and becomes Maserati Kev. Kev, the, the video around it goes nuts, viral. Maserati puts his clip in a global, a global they and they emailed him. Can we use your likeness and you know your stuff to end this commercial, this campaign that we're doing for this new Maserati that we're sending out? Fast forward, Kev just got a Maserati. I know. I saw. <laughs> now two weeks ago, Maserati, you're in a Corolla. Not that anything's wrong with that. I'm not saying that for that notion. I'm just saying the power of the internet and content creators. Because what they want is direct correlation to the people that are watching. And if Kev can get a, a Maserati, guess what that does to people like you and I? We can drive Maseratis. Yeah. Immediately. I, I read the comments because I love to see how people, you mm-hmm. know, ingest and translate to what they see. I never paid attention to Maserati. Yeah, I got to go. go. And I'm looking at the influence of this new demographic of people who are now aspiring to be where Kev is. And I'm like, Kev is no different than a Denzel. He's just doing it in his own way. Kev is no different than a LeBron James. He's just doing it in his own way. And the reality of it, and which is why I always tell you, and I'm still on you. Document, not create. He documented his thoughts and his feelings about the experience. And it the value of that transcended in you now having what you manifested two weeks ago. Like, man, that is amazing. To me, it's not the American dream. It's the human dream. I don't want the American dream. I want the dream that what God has put in me. What I was purposed to be, what I was purposed to do is what I'm going after, not what somebody has to give me access to. Yeah, it's what I'm born to be, period. You love to speak and have conversations. And this is me. Y'all hear me telling Crystal on air again (laughs) publicly. She needs her own show. You need to be able to develop what is in you. When we aren't living the full potential of what our purpose is, we lose a little bit of ourselves every day. Your soul seeks to be in full purpose. Your soul seeks to live in the light that is meant to to grow in, not what somebody else dictates and tells you what you should be doing. No, we understand that you got to have a nine to five. But outside of that, when is your soul getting to be who it's meant to be? That's why I love doing what I do. Because I love bridging people to where they are supposed to be. Your purpose, your plan. If you're listening to this, if you made it to this point of the podcast, you're meant to hear this. You have something in you. I don't care if you think it's small. Everybody has a seed. Everybody needs to water your seed. I don't care what it is. Somebody made toilet paper. You think the person that made toilet paper is famous? No, but the effects of what you do touch everybody. And that's just some things how we got to go through life. 
Like, seriously, think about it. The person who invented the spoon, we all use them. Nobody talks about them. Everything about it, a scrunchie. Have you ever Googled who invented the scrunchie? No, but you know the works that they did. And that's the purpose. That's the whole point of why we exist is for us to make this world know that we were here in whatever way. Nobody may know your name, but they can still appreciate the work that you've done. And that's where I'm at. I don't care about being famous. If I can free other creators to know that the purpose within inside of you is not validated because YouTube calls or HBO calls or somebody else calls. If you can be the person that you are meant to be and you can mm-hmm. go to your grave in your deathbed knowing that I gave this world every bit of the potential that God gave me, then you good. But we can't say that because I know you got stuff in you. I know people listening right now got stuff in them. I am actively trying not to look at you because you're all in my stuff right now. You're in everybody's stuff. I know there's more people who are like, you're in my stuff. Get out of my stuff. Get out of my feelings. Get out of my thoughts because it's so true. We're so valuable. We have so much within us. We really, really do. We have something to give. I love the uniqueness of humans because we're not the same. I love that we all have a different role to play. I love that the longer in life that you live, the more you recognize in moments like a pandemic what's really important. And like you're saying, nurturing your soul is a really important thing to put on the priority list because when you're not filled up, you you don't operate from, you know, that filled up position. You're not able to give and overflow and pour, you know, from your overflow like you're meant to do. But man, when you do align, when you do come into that alignment of, you know, being who you are at your highest level, like that best self of you. Um, And that has nothing to do, like you said, with fame or, or validation from, you know, certain outlets calling your name. You know, when you're in that position, you, you, everyone's like caught glimpses of that when you're on a, like, man, this is me. This is me being me. Like I've never been me before when you're able to align that. um, And then, you know, express that. It's an expression. That expression can come by way of creativity. It can be what you actually do, you know, seeing whatever you put into the world, whatever it is that you do. It's like everything. That, that, that's that's our goal. That, that That's the reason that we were created. That's the reason we're here is to, you know, and, and, and we've talked about this back. I think that's my biggest fear is to die without ex- fully expressing that inner me that is so me. Um, that would be my biggest regret is like, you know, leaving without like that exhale and really have like given it. Um, I could die very full feeling like I gave it. I gave all that was in me to give, you know, to my child, to my family, to the world, to people who need you. And I think that's a big component. We think our gifts are for us to glorify us, to put us on pedestals or to let people know who we are and to just simply say our names, but they're really meant to impact the next generation because a seed is meant to plant and then be bloomed. It's meant to be nurtured and then, you know, grow into something. And so whatever your seed is, I like myself (laughs) taking this full spoon of medicine from low. um, We we need to be willing to bet on ourselves and um, plant that seed. I couldn't have ended the podcast today on a better note. This is why you're here. 
Um, you have a great way of just summing it all up. And uh, listen, be encouraged. Know that, you know, if nobody else is pushing and rooting for you, uh, we are. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, you're not by yourself like none of us are. Uh, I just really just know that you're right during this time and in, in this pandemic. It's a lot of unsurety, but I, I look at it like this. Uh, I'd rather jump on my own than to have somebody push me. Because when somebody has to push you, they throw you into something on how they want to move you. Move at your own pace. Do it on your own. And mentally, it does something to you when you can jump on your own. I leaped. I took that leap of faith. Start. Educate. And and just embrace who you are, man, fully. Uh, I want to leave on this little this little note. Um, shout out to uh, Common and those great creatives. Uh, I think this is where we want to go in the future. And uh, if you if you uh, enjoyed today's podcast, man, just pull up, man, because we just getting started. And uh, I feel good, man. This was great. Um, So I'm going to leave on this note, man. Everything else uh, you can always support, share, um, help us grow this conversation and community. And we appreciate each and every one of you uh, for tuning in today. You got anything else, Chris? No, you said it all. Here we go. Yes, sir. Love y'all, man. Yeah. Later.